I'm going to skip around. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read um, the first five or six verses. I'm going to skip down a little bit. It's verse 13 in Luke 24. It's out of the Passion Translation. Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? They stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, what things? I'm going to skip down to verse 25. They have a conversation. You can read, we might, might get to that. But Jesus said to them, after they're telling him all the events, why are you so, so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? I'm going to go down some more to verse 30. Jesus goes with them. He goes and eats with them. They don't recognize him. Joining them at the supper, at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it, then gave it to them. All at once, their eyes were opened, and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their very eyes. And just go all the way down. I'm not going to read verse 36, but verse 36, it's the title. is Jesus appears to the disciples at the very end. We're going to go down to the very bottom. In verse 45, it says he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of scriptures. All right? The whole message today, that's the, the, the end of the message I'm going to say at the beginning is we need our eyes supernaturally unlocked. We need our ears supernaturally unlocked. Aren't we tired of our own solutions for our own lives? Aren't we tired of our own solutions of knowing what's right politically and morally for everybody in the world, of having every solution that everybody should have, knowing but never serving or never giving that that spiritual gift? So he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. So when we're talking about revival, a presence-based revival, we're talking about Jesus talking to us as individuals that, that, that in unity then unites us as a gathering. We're not talking about I have the what's supposed to happen and what's going to happen, and everybody comes in and goes, yes, I'll agree with that and hope with that a little bit. It's all of us seeking revival. Stevie repeated it a lot. I wrote it down. He said, let it start in me. He said that several times over and over. We should say, let it start with me. Let salvation, the work of salvation that started, continue with me first. Let the, let the abundance of the Lord be in me first. Let the blessing of God be in me first. Let me be blessed so I overflow and I can be a blessing to others. Let me be that one. All right? Instead of saying they should share some of their stuff. They have a lot they should give. It should be me. And so it comes with the presence of God. Let me experience the presence of God. First, longest, mostest, bestest, biggest. All those words I just made up, they're all pro and proper. Let it be me. Let us let it say, let it be me. Let's be desperate for the things of God, not desperate for church growth, not desperate for deep understanding of historical events, desperate for relationship with the only one that cares enough for us to have died for us. That's the only thing that matters. Somebody's morals should not matter to me as much as they matter to me. It doesn't matter who the president is. The president doesn't get to decide 
this one or the previous one or the next one, what level of relationship I walk in with God. And if I find myself talking more about government than I do about kingdom government, there's something wrong with me spiritually. I feel like I'm going to cry. We're so full up of local, of not local news, of news, of national news. We're so repeating in our head and our heart, and it's decaying our belief system in the ways of the kingdom. We're so full up, we can't even fit the ways of God in our minds or in our hearts. It is the, the answer is the same one you learn in kindergarten, Sunday school, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He keeps being the answer. It looks like something. It looks like walking out. So that's the end. Let us ask that our understanding is supernaturally unlocked to receive the revelation of the scriptures. And the revelation of the scripture is Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to send somebody and that's the Holy Spirit. So we're not just concerned about God or the teachings of Jesus or the life of Jesus, but we're concerned about the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the experience. And if your doctrine or your belief system includes this belief, which is a lot, that I can't experience the Holy Spirit, then that is bad doctrine. I have fought for years thinking that my doctrine was the bad doctrine that you could experience the Holy Spirit, trying to defend it all the time. And I had like a total flip a few years ago. That no, no, wait. I, it, my doctrine is the right doctrine. My story of Holy Spirit being within me, of God living within me, choosing me. He doesn't just dwell with up there where I'm going to go. He dwells with me. He dwells within me. He dwells through me. He lives, he lives next to me. He lives in me. He lives for me. And he lives through me. It's all, it's all of those prepositions. All, remember all the things you can do to a mountain? You can go over, under, through, beyond. He lives all of those things in me and through me, not a, a, as me. So I, I can, my, in my freedom, I begin to show up. In my areas of supernaturally accelerated wisdom and sight from the kingdom, then I show up with my portion Sunday morning, Monday morning, every conversation I have. Be a blessing to your job. Be a blessing to your neighborhood. All of those things as only you can. And I walk in that way. Let's go back up to verse 14. And by the way, we went over this in pre-service prayer. <clears throat> if you believe, if, if, if you think, if your th- thought is, you know, thought, thought, thoughts are singular. You say, you, you clarify, a thought is a singular sentence in your head that you, that you can write down. Okay? I think it's hot outside is, is, is actually a, is, is a thought, right? I think it's hot outside. Okay? And then a... a a, um, a belief system is accumulated thoughts, often so deep, passed around from your family, that you can't even hear them. You can't, put, you can't put a word to it. But you go after your thoughts in order to find your false beliefs. So when you say, I can't experience Jesus, then you're telling yourself a lie and you're repeating yourself a lie. That's where belief rises up. Scripture says I can, so whatever I'm thinking is wrong, not Scripture. Scripture says I can, so whatever I'm experiencing is wrong. And I want to line up my life to Scripture, not to my past experience. So verse 14, 15, 14, and 15. 
They were, that's what you get when you read a new translation. They were in the midst of a discussion. This is Jesus and the two disciples. Um, Cleopas, the other one we'll just call Clint. I like to identify people in scripture that don't have a name. So it's Cleopas and Clint, okay? And to Cleopas and Clint, so they're in the midst of the discussion about all the events of the last few, few days. All the events of the last few days, by the way, is the Easter story, the resurrection, the death and resurrection, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. The last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. So my, kind of my, that, that was my first point, what I just said. Then my second point right here is Jesus is always walking up into our journey, into our conversation. Yes, he's always there. But in imagery, when you, when you and your spouse start having a conversation, Jesus walks up. And wants to be a part of that conversation. When you and your boss are having a conversation and you're walking, Jesus wants to be a part of that conversation. All the time, Jesus is there wanting to be a part of the conversation. He's on the journey with you. He's next to you. He's there. He's there. He's very, really there. And the only way, the only way... You will know if he's there is if you believe he's there. And that will rise up the appearance of him in your conversation. By the way, anytime you're walking and you're talking to yourself, which I know every one of you do. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe they said that. I can't. Oh, God, it's it's that crazy circle, that circular dance. It's a crazy dance that you have, and it can make you sick. And it's what what causes a lot of mental illness and emotional problems and physical problems because we rotate in our head these thoughts over and over and over and over and over again. We have these conversations. Jesus, when you start thinking, Jesus walks up into your brain. His brain is right there, and he's like, I want to have a conversation with you about this. Why would you think any thoughts on your own when Jesus is there and you can have the mind of Christ? Because when I, when I, when I think, all I can think, when I think, all I can think is what I've read, what I've listened to, what I've experienced. I can't think anything outside of that. But when I think with the mind of Christ, I have access to Google Jesus sort of thing. So when I go online and I need to find out, you know, the other day I need to find out what kind of plant, you know, what kind of, uh, what does this plant look like? The uh, spider wart, sp- Google spider wart comes out of a purple plant, what it looks like. I can read all about it. So I just, I just had access to something that's not, that's way beyond my experience. When we, when we, ha- when we're walking and we're talking to ourselves or to friends, we need to learn to access the mind of Christ, access the mind of Christ. And he has current pro, he has current solutions right now, solutions for your health problems, for your money problems, for your relationships problems, for your job problems, for your future problems, for your kid problems, for your mental problems, for your emotional problems, for your lack of vision problems, for your laziness problems, for your greed problems, for what your future looks like problem. He has a solution, and they're tailor-made to you. They're tailor-made based on all the wisdom of the universe. They're tailor-made, and you can, you can access them as he talks to you. Jesus is always there always coming up. It's verse 16. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them for God prevented them from recognizing him. I want to tackle that moment of God prevented um, them from recognizing him. And I've got to get to another, another document here. I, I mashed this up quite a bit. Um, Okay. So this idea that we have that God prevented Jesus from, them from knowing Jesus. 
He did not. I don't believe that God prevented them from knowing Jesus. I think God prevented them from recognizing Jesus in the flesh. And they were unable to recognize the risen Savior. Okay, and I'm going to give you a scripture for that. It's in um, 2 Corinthians 5.16. It says, this is the Apostle Paul. So then, from now on, since the death, the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension, since that time from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by the outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Paul is saying, we use it to say, don't look at anybody on the outside and judge them, look on their inside. So what we do, we look on the inside and judge them about that, and then we look on the outside and we judge them, and we think that's okay. This is the thing, though, is that we're no longer allowed to look at Jesus as just a good teacher, as just a good leader, as just a good rabbi. We must all, everybody that knew him, there's a whole bunch of people that knew him as that. He was, I think he was cooking for them. I think he was laughing for them. I think he pushed somebody out of the boat. You know, I think he did something weird with fish. Fish guts, you know, because if you're a fisherman, I'm going fishing tomorrow. You you do things with fish guts and with the, you know, you flick something on somebody and you, you know, stuff like that. And so he, they had those memories of him and, and Paul saying, don't think of Jesus in that light. Think of him as this resurrected savior, as this completely, completely different relationship. All right. So we get caught up in some of those things. So we, when we think about that, when we read that, we might be unable to see Jesus walk up beside us because we're looking for something super fleshy. We're looking for something really soulish. We're looking for something we already agree with in his answer. But man, in, in, in this story, there's a huge rebuke where he calls them a, a, a bunch of the fools. We, I don't know if we'll get to that today, but, 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 but the, rebuke is, the rebuke is based on we have this paradigm. We don't want to live out of what we already know and what we've already experienced. As Christians, we are called to live outside of who we are. Because that, that's really who we are, is to live bigger. For me to be a bigger person, a bigger, better Batter in the best sense, personality. So the way I have my emotions is better. It's healthy, but it's, it's better and it's bigger. The way I speak, the way I share, the way I live my life, the way I show up in a room is different because of knowing him as my resurrected savior. So they're in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them for God prevented them from recognizing him. We talk all the time. We rarely, I rarely hear people on Facebook, in blogs. I barely hear Christians, when it's all Christians, talk about the Savior. They talk about politics. They talk about the coming economic crises. They talk about sports. They talk about, and that's all fine. I, I get that. That's good. I'm not saying don't do that. But when do we bring in intentionally conversations about Jesus? So I'm not, I, don't, I wouldn't ask anybody like, here's your, here's your level of, of celebration for the Astros. Here's your levels, levels of celebration for Jesus. I'm not asking you to bring down your level of celebration for the Astros. I'm asking you to increase your level of celebration for your salvation. 
Every day you check, we check the news for the Astros, for soccer, for sports, for the economy, for our stocks. But we don't check the news coming down from heaven. We've got to like, we've got to like know him in a spiritual sense. The spiritual stuff always translates into physicality, into physicalness. I don't even know those are words, but I'm using them. It says, seek ye first the kingdom, seek the kingdom, seek something unseen and the seen stuff will be provided to you. And we want, we want good relationships and we want a good, and I want you to have good jobs. I want you to have full bank accounts. I want you to have healthy relationships. I want you to have good trips and summer vacations and cars that run and air conditioning and no fear about your bills. You get all of those things, not by living, by living by some rules, not by working hard alone, but by seeking the kingdom. And the kingdom has supplies, practical, physical supplies, but more importantly, it has your heart transformation in there. And we have access to that. So I'm sorry I'm yelling the whole time. But the only way you can stop me is to come up and tackle me. Um, so you seem, <clears throat> verse 17, you, Jesus said to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? I think Jesus is asking us that every single day. Why are you so sad and gloomy about the economy? Why are you so mad about so-and-so? Why are you so concerned with what's happening over there? Why are you looking at their Facebook page wishing you had what they had comparing yourself? Why are you comparing yourself, which is a comparison is a sin. Comparison in a negative sense or a positive is a sin. Because comparison says, I have more than they have. I'm better off. Hallelujah. I have less than they have. What a bummer. Why doesn't God love me? They're both, they're both a sinful thing that don't take you anywhere. So why are you concerned? Why are we posting news feeds all the time and it's not our own stuff? It's like being in a conversation and all we're doing is dropping quotes from somebody else that we've never met. We don't know that much about, but we like their little pithy saying. And it like keeps us far apart instead of connecting us. So I think Jesus constantly asks us, what are you so worried about? Why aren't you talking to me about that? Why aren't you, why, 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 where's your faith? And he's asking, he's not asking that like, he's not asking like it sounds like me. Where's your faith? Grow up. Come on. He's like saying it like, where is it? I gave it to you. I know you have it. I'm on your side. Step into this. Step into this. And I'll be there. I'm already there and I'm with you, but step into it and it'll, it'll, it'll increase. You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped and the one said Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? I think we ask Jesus that all the time. When he says, why are you so gloomy? You're like, God, haven't you heard my boss is really mean? We're like, God, you don't get it. My boss is mean. I I have a right to be gloomy. I have a right to be sad and depressed. I have a right to be judgmental and hateful because haven't you heard what so-and-so said about me? When Jesus comes along our side and he begins to talk, we barely recognize him and his voice in directing us and correcting us and shaping us. He's asking us, he's asking these guys, Cleopas and Clint, why are you so sad? Why are you gloomy? And they're saying, don't you know what's going on? And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter. He's re- that's, that's all. They missed the entire point of what they're talking about. And I think that we missed the entire point of what's going on in our nation, in our world, in our culture, 
when we talk about everything CNN and Fox and, and now there's a whole movement. Well, I don't listen to, uh, to, uh, what do you call it? What kind of news national news or I don't listen to broadcast news like the news coming from a small, obscure talk radio station is better news or more godly news than this. It's just like I've deepened down into a truth area here. It's not true. Let's stack it. So the first thing in the morning, we're talking to hear him. We're hearing from him. The last thing at night, we're talking to him. We're listening to him. We're going to bed. We're utilizing our sleep time to be blessed and refreshed in our spirit. So we're waking up. Our feet are hitting the ground and we're like, thank you for this day what awesome thing do you got for me today and what where am i going what am i doing i mean most of us go to go to work and have have a schedule but still within the context of that a lot so so when we when we say there's like bring like god's right there talk to him we hear him this is what we hear forgive oh my gosh god don't you know what's going on in my life i can't forgive that's how we respond to people a lot. And we, we, so, so we've gotten to in church where we don't tell people to forgive. We don't go, that's really judgmental. They might be doing something kind of bad there, but man, that judgmental, that's true. That stinks way more than what they're doing over there. That you got to clean up. That unforgiveness, that bitterness, that judgment, that hate. And we know, we know it's true of racism or sexism or anything like that, but we're totally good with, I'm making up a lot of words today. I, I just realized, so racism and sexism, but we're all okay with like, with like counting on different groups though. You know, we're all, we're all about anybody that has any kind of money is greed, is greedy, but that's our own greed that we didn't even compare ourselves to that. I'm going to end, I'm going to end, I really am, I'm not going to get all the way through this, but... I did hear a statistic, a brilliant statistic the other day that, you know, we talk about one percenters and there's a lot of crummy reporting about wealthy people, especially one percenters, like take all their money away. This is the deal. So I was, I used this the other day. So Elon Musk, um, the guy, not Elon Musk, um, Jeff Bezos, the guy from Amazon, he's worth like, what, $140 billion. That's like $139 billion more than I have. Think about that. He drives a car with air conditioner. I drive a car. He has a house. I have a house. I have enough food. He has enough food. I have a good television. He has a good television. I can use Amazon. He can use Amazon. I go on vacation. He goes on vacation. The distance between that, me and Je- the, the, one of the richest men in the world, is, is I'm way closer to a guy who has $140 billion than I am the young man in Liberia, Africa. The di- he doesn't have clean water. He doesn't have health care. He doesn't have anything like that. So when we talk about the 1%, see, this is a lie. This, this is just one example of a lie that we've heard. It's something like if you make over, I don't remember if it's fourteen or $18,000 a year in the world's economy, you're, you're, you're a one percenter or more. You might be a half percenter. That's the difference. So when we start hearing the news that says, look at these bad guys, look at these bad guys, look at this group or that group or that group, we're not hearing something kingdom. I'm telling you, there's a kingdom sound, there's kingdom news. Jesus wants to come right with us. He's already there, but just with imagery, as soon as I start talking about a problem, Jesus steps in and goes, man, I hope they use my brain. I hope they use my brain. I've got some answers. 
You know, have you ever like 10 years ago, you're driving with some teenager and you're like, you're, you know, you're having a conversation, you and some other old person, like back then, 40 something, you know, 50 something now, but you have this conversation and, and some young kid says, why don't you just Google it? You know, you're saying, well, I don't know who wrote that song. And they're like, it's so-and-so and here's all the lyrics and here's it on YouTube right here. And they show it to you while you're driving and you know, that they have, they've accessed Google I've never actually gone until like last year onto YouTube to watch a video to fix anything. My son does plumbing. He lays floors. He put in a pond on his property, all looking at YouTube videos. So there's an access that we have to the solutions for our life, but not just the solutions for our problems, but to the access into our promises. I don't want to, I don't want to see the mind of Christ as just like, he's going to solve some of these things here. It is for me to live this courageous, big, bold life out there, just like I can. Not trying, not trying to be, not trying to be Jeff Bezos. Not trying to be Herman Gonzalez. Not trying to be Stevie Alanis. You know, not trying to be anything like that. Not trying to have what anybody else has. Not trying to act like how anybody else acts. Not trying to even believe doctrinally like anybody else believes. But just being in relationship, seeking the kingdom right here, letting it manifest in my life, in my words, in what I do with my hands, in my calendar and in my checkbook, in the land that I own on my property on Ponderosa Bend. And then everything outside of that is, is, is overflows into that. That's what revival is about. That is what it's about. But we have to believe he's with me. He's talking to me. I can trust him. If he tells me to go left, I'll go left. If he tells me to go right, I'll go right. If he, he told me for five years, shut up and do not tell the pastor you work for one thing you think. How hard is that? It's almost impossible. (laughs) I serve that man. I love that man. He wasn't very... He wasn't that good of a guy, really. I mean, his reputation, it it didn't matter because I wasn't working for him. I wasn't serving him. I wasn't ministering under him. I was ministering before the Lord. I learned that in my my late 20s. And then, then everything becomes a joy instead of a chore. It's a challenge, but there's joy in challenges. You know, they they closed Hardy Toll Road for the Iron Man. Who wants to do an Iron Man? I'm going to put myself in pain for months and months and months to ride something, you know, to do, to swim. To bike and to run really long distances on a Saturday for like hours and hours and hours. But there's a joy in the challenge. And our challenge isn't to be a good churchgoer. Our challenge isn't even to be a good Christian. I mean, it is, but it's our challenge is to be his kids. It's to just live into who I already am. We've got Ethan right here. He's just a little, little baby. Heather's little baby. His, his, he's going to live into, and we all have huge hope when we look at Ethan. He's going to be this and that. And it's easy to see that he's loved and taken care of. But he's, he's got a design in his destiny, and he's fearfully and wonderfully made. But you know what? 58-year-old Jew is also. <laughs> huh? It's going to be all, and, and, the, and following the Lord. He, we choose, but we, we live into who we're created to be. All right, let's go ahead and stand up. says in verse 31, all at once their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Ask for some suddenlies. Ask for some suddenlies that suddenly he will appear in your situation. Suddenly he will be there. Suddenly your understanding will be supernaturally unlocked. Pray for it when you go to bed. Believe it when you go to bed. 
when you have a crisis, when you have a problem, just take a moment, turn off everything around you, including good Bible teaching, including good music, and be there with the Lord with no distraction. All right? Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you are not against us, you are for us. And you are, you are cheering us on and that we, we are not, we don't have to act like fully grown, healthy, mature adults. We can run to you and say, I need, I want, I'm hurt, I hope. And you will be there and you will respond as we walk in our life. Let us know that you will never leave us or forsake us. And in this scripture, Jesus calls him a fool. He rebukes them, but then he keeps walking with them and eats with them that even in your rebuke, It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's eye-opening in relationship with you, and we thank you for that. And we say we will not settle for less than relationship with you, for less than knowing you, being known by you, participating in ministry and kingdom things, that we will, this week even, uh, that our eyes will be open to spiritual things around us, not simply the evil, not simply the demonic, but the overwhelming, overpowering, supernatural force of the Holy Spirit, of the government of heaven that we walk in, that we have a right and the authority and the power to shift the culture we're in. We thank you for that. Your son's name, everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you.